Hello and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and of course, I have Steve Otterstrom with me here today. And so another week has gone by. <laughs> I've lost track of time, Steve. Yeah. But I know <laughs> this week, my, my excitement is uh, actually nothing to do with being on furlough, but we did have some high winds and I had a tree limb fall on my fence in my yard. And so I, I got to do some good manual labor and uh, cut that up with my chainsaw and repair my fence. Uh, it's simply just a, a, a what's called a field fence, kind of a chain link fence, only easier. And uh, so that was my excitement for the week. But I have lost completely track of all days and time. And I'm constantly looking at my phone multiple times a day to make sure what day it is. <laughs> So tell me about your week. Please tell me you've had something more exciting than cutting you know, down a tree off your fence. Unfortunately, <laughs> and this is really, really, really spooky, but um, I had a tree blow over in my backyard this week, too. Oh, well, there um, you go. Yeah, I have. Um, and you, so you've our seen audience my... all had trees blow in the yeah, yards this exactly. week. <laughs> There's a lot of huffing and puffing and blowing the trees down that happened. But yeah, my, my uh, apple tree in the back um, and it, and it was it was really kind of um, frightening because uh, my my little brother came over. He was helping me try and fix my sprinkler system, getting it turned on uh, for the first time this year. And and while that happened, kind of the wind started coming in and the rain was coming down a little bit. Just the perfect time to be working on a sprinkler system. And um, I heard kind of a creak. I was at the side of the house and I heard this little creak. And um, I look over and. The tree is on the ground and my little brother has a Tesla, which, you know, those are nice cars uh, and it's relatively yeah. what looks like to me <laughs> right underneath the tree. Oh no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh no. my goodness, an insurance claim. And um, I went over there. Luckily, just a few uh, leaves, really the very tips of, of, the, uh. of the switches had come down on it, but it hadn't done any damage at all which I was, I was very happy about. Uh, so yeah, then we got to cut up the tree. And so we, it was a tree removal uh, week for us as well. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. Well, I, I, yeah, I didn't discover mine until I was walking the dog and couldn't get around the tree like I normally do, the tree be between the fence and the tree. It's like, I can't fit. And uh, yeah, so nothing as excited as nearly hitting a Tesla. So I, I'm glad to hear your brother's car is fine. <laughs> it is, and we're okay as well. But uh, otherwise, um, it's it's been interesting. I think it's interesting here in the United States. Uh, you may not be listening to it on the day that we're recording, but uh, today is Memorial Day. So this is um, a day I think that a lot of people get out and they have um, an opportunity to think of their uh, loved ones that are no longer with them. Um, and I'm curious, Leonard, have you had any opportunity to to celebrate Memorial Day? Do you normally go visit cemeteries or um, or are you a barbecue type of guy for Memorial yeah. Day? What do you normally do and what are you up to um, yeah. this Memorial Day? Well, it, interestingly enough, yeah, Memorial Day is not a day that we necessarily do much. Um, if we do anything, it's somebody else has invited us. If we don't do anything, we're just sitting around the house taking the day off of work. And it's funny you did ask because, uh, as I mentioned, I have multiple people live in my home. So somebody last night said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And so we listed off what we were doing. And she said, no, I meant for the holiday. It's like, oh, 
Well, normally I take a day off and I've been doing that for how many weeks now? And so it, it's sort of an uh, anticlimactic holiday, no offense, uh, but it, it's just simply normally a day to just enjoy time off with family, occasionally a little reflection on the purpose of the day, but typically it's just uh, a slow day to relax and enjoy ourselves. How, how about you, Steve? You know, so many people I, that I ran into are like, enjoy your long weekend. <laughs> like, I've been yes. on the long weekend for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did hear a few people it. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for the weekend to end at this yes. point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's uh, what, what is it, 51st Dates of Long Weekends or one of those movies where it's this, it keeps repeating itself. Groundhog's Day, one of those. So yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or extending itself, whatever it is that, that it is doing. So Yeah. I am very excited today, though, because um, we have an opportunity. We, as our special guest, we have Arpita. Um, and just like last time, I... When, when uh, I was with Darshini, I realized that after having worked with uh, Darshini for so long, I really wasn't sure of how to um, say her last name. So Arpita is going to help us with that <laughs> here in just a moment. Um, but what I'm most excited about uh, with Arpita is that uh, this is someone who, uh, like our last guest that we had last week, um, really has had experience in many different locations, is really a student of the world, a citizen of the world, um, has found herself in situations where she has been socially distant, I guess, before we had that as as a term, um, yes. where she had to uh, really make her own uh, social community, had to reach out and you know, we, we, we talk about people starting from scratch, you know, where they maybe economically have nothing and then they're working their way to the top. But we don't often think about times when people socially start from that ground zero uh, mm-hmm. where they, they are by themselves and then they have to build a community and uh, build a family in some ways. Because uh, even though we, we're not saying that we don't have our family when we're far away from them, uh, sometimes we need to find new family that's closer to where we're at. And um, she has a lot of interesting stories that I'm, I'm really excited to hear uh, from with Arpita. So um, that says, Arpita, why don't why don't you um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you're you're in Singapore right now, and um, I believe you have a fiance that is definitely not in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> that is further away. Um, tell us a little bit about where you're at and um, and how you got there. Sure. Uh, let me start by saying thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast from episode one and I've enjoyed each one of them um, thoroughly. And I look forward to every Tuesday because, you know, for me, it's a time zone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's coming this week? So thank you so much for having me. Um, thank you. And I also like how you introduced me, uh, Stephen, there. Um, I never, I, I honestly never thought of starting socially from ground zero. I mean, I've never looked at that from that perspective. So 
thank you for giving me an idea to introduce myself in future like that. So thank you so much. But yes, like you rightly said, I am currently in Singapore uh, with my job, current role that I'm in. Uh, my mom is in India. My fiance is in the UK and my sister is in your country. So my family oh, nice. is literally all over different continents, wow. I think. That would be the right thing to say, yeah. Well, in Arpita, like Stephen, I, I have to confess, how do you say your last name? Let's get that out and over <laughs> with. I'm so sorry. <laughs> before, I, before I even help you both with that, I must say, uh, Leonard, I didn't know how to say your last name until I, I heard your first podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, Well, very good. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah. I feel better now. I know, right? So, I don't feel um, much better, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, how do you how do you say that? How, how does the sound of second C and H come together? But now I got yeah. it. So, mm, my last name is Cho Han. Cho Han, very yeah. good. Well, and for our audience' sake, I just want to throw out real quick. Uh, Mm. Although Stephen and I work with Arpita, Arpita, you're obviously, well, it might not be obvious, but to us, it's obvious <laughs> you're part of the international team. And mm -hmm. so prior to this, what's interesting to me is I think you and I spoke directly just one time before all of this COVID, before the lockdown, whatever terms we want to call this whole crazy mm. situation we're currently in, I think you and I had only had one direct conversation and maybe really yes. only just a couple of team calls. Mm -hmm. And so what's been neat for me, and I, I share this for the audience's sake and share it for your sake as well, is Arpita and I have had chance to get to know each other more during social distancing than we have prior to social distancing. So just want to encourage folks, some good things can come out of this. So, but back to your story though, let's, let's get into that. So mm -hmm. yes. So you have a fiance in one country and a mother in another. So mm -hmm. uh, kind of unpack us from the beginning when the, so you're, you're Indian by birth. So yes. talk to us a little bit about your travels and when, you, when maybe your first experience leaving the country, was it when you went to university or was it prior and, and kind of lead through some of that situation? We, we know a bit of your backstory, so share that for mm -hmm. our audience. Sure. So my majority part of education has been in India and I come from a very small, uh, very small city. Um, but my first international exposure was when... I got really bored of the job that I was doing because I wasn't learning anything. And I just told my dad saying, you know what, I want to study further. And um, um, my dad being him never stopped us from doing whatever we wanted. Um, he supported me through it. So that was my first international exposure when I went to study my master's. Um, and what still uh, gives me pride, I think from a, from a perspective as a daughter, that my father had to fight a lot of social norms because I was one of the first uh, females of my city to actually leave the country to travel to another country where I had nobody that I knew. Um, usually, you know, it's you you travel or you try and find some sort of connection. It doesn't have to be immediate family, but it could be oh that I know that person and that person's uh, family is there or third layers of family or some some kind of acquaintance but right yeah 
distant cousin or somebody uh, anyhow. Yes, yeah. yeah, some uncle that I had nothing. Uh, uh, so, yes, he was a bit, bit worried how I'm going to manage all of it all. And uh, uh, something I never told him because I never had the courage. He would be so uh, worried. Would never show, but I didn't even have, like I was landing in the city I studied midnight and I didn't even, I didn't even have a hotel to stay in. I had to go. Wow. (laughs) I had to go and look for one closer to my university accommodation because I had to go pick up the keys before my first class start, which was at 9 a.m. Um, oh my goodness yeah so that was my first experience walking into a country with absolutely no um no uh, knowledge of <laughs> what's gonna happen to me i think i would have slept back i i think i would have slept in the airport or and just called it a day <laughs> at that point <laughs> oh my goodness so it, it's a during your time there, uh, mm-hmm. you did settle in then, right? So how, mm-hmm. how, how, what, what on earth did you do to settle in? Uh, you, you showing up at midnight and tell us the next <laughs> steps from there. <laughs> Not oh. day by day necessarily, but how, how did you end up settling and what all happened? Yeah, but I've got to tell you what happened that night, right? So I ended mm-hmm. up meeting this wonderful driver and I think I've, I have so many people like that, Leonard, that I've met in my life who've helped me out of nowhere. Uh, and this driver in particular, I would never forget. And um, the city airport, of course, was quite far. And I said, you know what? I don't have a hotel. Can you help me find something closer to this area? Because this is where I need to go in the morning. Um, and this gentleman actually got down at three different hotels before he, he, he was okay with me paying what I was paying for night. Because he's like, oh, no, that's expensive. Let us go to another one. And that's that's also expensive. Let's go to another one. And until he was satisfied, I was okay to pay what I was paying for the night. He didn't let me get off. Um, and throughout the way, like from the airport to the hotel, I had a nice lecture, which, of course, I didn't appreciate then. But I realized that it, it did kind of help me. He said, oh, you know what? I see so many students because it's a, it's a very student city. It's like, I see so many students coming in and all they do is they drink, they go for late night parties, they smoke, but they don't study, you know? Your parents must have put in a lot of money together to send you here, make use of it. And, you know, it was coming from a very fatherly perspective. And yeah. I was just thinking to myself that I could have met someone opposite who could have taken advantage of me, but that didn't happen. I was safe. And similarly, throughout the year, I ended up meeting people who stood by me in some of the most difficult situations. I mean, I've had very important three friends who were like my family. So, yeah, like Stephen said, you know, I created a new family to socially uh, find my root in, in an unknown city. And I have no idea how I even... Where I started with these three people, the first, the, the first one um, was the one I had my lunch the first day because we just got talking and he said, oh, do you want to grab a lunch? I said, okay, let's go. Uh, that's how it started. The second friend I actually met in a shop the first weekend and I have no idea where it went on from and we still are friends and the three of them, I'm still friends. Um, the third one, of course, was Indian. So maybe I think there was it was just easy to kind of connect. 
but again, it was just one interaction. And then these, all these three people have had such a huge role to play for my, um, for my days in, in, in the city, because I've had a lot of ups and downs. You're so away from home at some point, the pressure of study kicks in, you're in a different environment, you have no clue what's hitting you when winter hits. Uh, you know, the... <laughs> yes, you don't have very many winters in India, do you? No, <laughs> I mean, exactly. At two yeah. o'clock, it would seem like it's already night. And, you know, it, it kind of depresses you. And I'm like, what am I going through? So it was just a lot of unexpected situations around me. But these three helped me through each day of my stay in that city. And they continue to do in many ways, even today. Wow. So when you went, and so you're, this is Edinburgh in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And you, yes. you're, you're, you've lived in India your entire life. Mm-hmm. And of course you say, you know, you get to winter and there's no way you can be prepared for that. If you've lived in India your entire life, were there other just cultural shocks things that just like like have i landed in another country or have i landed on the moon did you have other 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 circumstances where things just were so different that they were uncomfortable or or did you acclimatize really quickly to the the differences there um i think it was only in edinburgh that i realized that i can adjust to any place a lot quicker than i expected to so apart from climate, I really didn't struggle with a whole lot in terms of culture. And Edinburgh is a very welcoming city as compared to a lot of other parts of the UK. Um, so no, I, I didn't have to face anything which was making it difficult for me. Um, it was it was just the weather which was absolute, absolutely against my normal body clock, right? And I would have days when I would just not go to sleep because I was like, I have no idea what's happening in summer. There would still be light till midnight and it would get sunshine again after 2 a.m or 3 a.m so i was like oh what is this happening but apart from that it was a welcoming uh city very very welcoming city well that you know i think makes such a big difference when you are in a place and the city itself is welcoming it sounds like you you right away uh found you know this this is something that uh, leonard says uh, very often is that we need to have a few really good friends that we can we can reach out to and that we can have you know intimate conversation with and it and it sounds like that almost instantly you 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 came up with these three friends and mm-hmm. and I find it interesting that that happened right at the very beginning and then these are people that you still have a connection to what do you think it is about yeah. people like that how do how do if someone was was in a similar situation if if i decided to go study in india today so i'm going to cross the the sea the other direction what 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 is it that a person can do to find those people how do we open ourselves up do you think um to gain those you know really tight close connections that last that's a great question uh steve and i i did not know what happened then until um, until really just about maybe a year ago, I was having a conversation with someone else and that person mentioned something and it, it kind of triggered back to me on a lot of my relationships or my friends in particularly. Um, and I think that the foundation of any bond is trust. And as much as it's 
such a difficult thing for most of us because it's such a human character. I think not to to start from a place where you don't want to trust the other person. But when I look back to all these three people, I started from a place wherein I just wanted to trust them. And I don't know why. Maybe because I was in a foreign environment. Maybe they made me feel uh, it is okay to trust them. They didn't give me any signs that uh, in, in any way they would harm me or break my trust. But I just, I literally started from a place saying, you know, I am in a foreign environment. I want to trust these people and seek out for help. And that is okay. Um, and if, yes, if they break my trust, then you retract your steps and then you you follow your way around it. But sometimes it it helps when you meet new people to, to start from a place where you want to trust trust them. And if they break your trust, it's, it's fine. Maybe give them another chance, give them second chance. And then if they continue to do that, then it's like, okay, yeah, enough. You know, I'm not going to make myself available all the time, but I still don't see a reason why we cannot start from a place where we we start with a trust saying, oh, you know what? I will trust you unless you do anything otherwise. And maybe that's where I started from and it, it helped. And maybe that's where even they started from because they never met me. So it, it must have been a mutual thing, right? Well, and I really like too, Arpita, that you did ask I mean, obviously, if you throw me in another country, I, I would probably break down and ask somebody. But without without those circumstances, sometimes I'm not so willing to ask for help. Mm. And so I think that's a real key, as you say, just about with any relationship is the asking for help and trusting. And it's not always help, but maybe just uh, to open up ourselves uh, it and allow somebody else into that relationship mm-hmm. with us. So great thoughts there. Well, and so from there, you eventually ended up in Singapore. So you want to tell us a little bit about Singapore? And then, of course, eventually <laughs> we get to this whole pandemic. <laughs> so tell us, how did you end up in Singapore then? Oh, yeah. What steps My happened along been such the a way? Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to try and cut short. And see, so I, I came back to India after Edinburgh and did whatever I had to do and then I start five, almost five years ago. I started with the company that we are now, um, and it's it, it it's a phenomenal journey that I've had with the company that we are in. And last year I had the opportunity to come on to the role with all of you all right for APAC, um, and it it was a kind of tough decision to see if I want to do that, not want to do that. But it seemed appropriate because I. I like challenges. So if I continue to do the same thing for a longer period without enough challenges, I start to feel like, okay, I'm getting complacent. So when this came around, it wasn't it was an easy decision because that this means it adds another three hours of travel if I were to visit my fiance. So all of that, uh, but because it added to my career that step and found myself in Singapore six months ago, only to know three months here and <laughs> we would be stuck in this beautiful situation that we all are in. Um, yeah, all by myself. Yeah. And so again, in Singapore, once you arrived, obviously at least this time your work was mm-hmm. there. So I'm sure you had some some workmates that you did get mm-hmm. to meet then, correct? But really 
really not much out. So to, who who all, how, how big is the office or how many people are you kind of networked with there in Singapore, whether it's through work or additional relationships during that time? Mm, Singapore is, a, I, I know a lot of work colleagues because I was still working, uh, I was still working in the same region. So I wasn't very, very far mm. from here. It I wasn't see. something that I haven't explored. So uh, the entire human resource team, I, I know them quite closely. Even some of the other key stakeholders that we work with, I I, I knew them before. So in, from from office perspective, no, it didn't seem like I was I was thrown into an absolute new environment. Um, but yes, when you are when you are only visiting for maybe your yearly conference or a meeting or two, it's different. But when you move here completely to work from that office, it's different. So um, that yeah. that was that was kind of interesting to begin with. Uh, but because I already had the people that I was working with, they made it really really smooth for me. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't like oh my god, I didn't know anybody. So starting from uh, people that I was working with to the new key stakeholder, everybody was very welcoming, trying to check on me, to 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 invite me to go with them for lunch, or even uh, showing me around Singapore. Uh, so that that became easy. In terms of personal um, personally settling here, it wasn't again very difficult because I was only here alone by myself for I think three weeks before my fiance flew in. Uh, so he was there with majority of part until mid-January, actually, um, to help me settle in, move the house, get the house sorted. So everything was fine. Um, the reality literally hit when he went away and coronavirus came in. So <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, okay, so suddenly I'm alone, like completely alone, because I was used to of having him and not, not having him, but mm. also... Uh, socially distancing myself from people that I could go um, have a little bit of social life for, you know, just for meals or walks or drinks. And I can't even do that. So, yeah, that shift was yeah. a bit well, difficult. Let, let, yeah, let's, let's kind of unpack what the coronavirus meant because you're you're in singapore mm. and so you you were hit a little bit earlier than what we were in the united states so uh, kind of for those listening that might not be familiar just remind us about what time because uh, they you, you actually were forced to stop working for a while as well were you not i know beijing mm. did uh, but did that infect you when china was impacted did you have to shut down at that point in time? Kind of, kind of walk us through that. How Singapore responded to it, and if you have, you know, approximate mm-hmm. dates or, you know, when that was, just to help us realize, because you've you've been this in this a little longer than yeah. I think Steve and I have. That's that's really true, Leonard. Because uh, the the proximity that we have to the, you know, the source where the whole thing started from is of course a lot. We we were closer to Wuhan and China. Um, and so we started to see um, a lot of cases in January, wherein towards the end of January, things became a lot serious. So I have been pretty much working from home, uh, starting from February, and a lot, a lot more people also kind of avoided going to work or reduced their, uh, their social contact of any form, whether it's, it's 
in the office or in public transport or other forms. Um, but because it was so controlled and the borders were shut in March, um, so government was confident that everything is going to go fine. But then there was something which kind of happened towards the end of March and our cases started to go really, really high. And then that's when government literally decided to do a lockdown. Um, and that's when we shut the office. So office currently is shut. And what, do, and what does lockdown in Singapore look like? Because I know here, I, I, I live right on the edge of Memphis, Tennessee. I live across the state line in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So in the Memphis area, when, we, when I say lockdown, really all that means is uh, a lot of people, of course, are out of work because of being furloughed and whatnot. But basically, we still kind of have a lot of free run. Um, they have closed the parks mm -hmm. uh, and tried to avoid people gathering. But I, I know there was social media and some things showing people sitting in parking lots and gathering, that type mm -hmm. of thing. So how strict of a lockdown uh, are you experiencing in Singapore? Was it really monitored? Did you need permission to go out? Or was it still just cautiously going out when you did go? Mm, I would say it was very cautiously done, but very, very cautiously done. And I think one thing we always need to be mindful of is Singapore is a very small country. So things are a lot easier to manage, control, uh, in, in this place. Um, we we don't need or did not need even then to, to get a pass. But yes, until and unless there's a valid reason, there is no need to go out. So you, you, yeah, you could have been stopped by local authorities to ask why you are out. Um, all the FNB outlets were completely shut. All you could do was takeaways. So, Again, in, in a lot like other countries, all the essential services were only open. Uh, but to a certain extent... So food and beverage yeah. were closed. For, for those not familiar with F&B, it's food and beverage. <laughs> yeah, so restaurants and clothes. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. Singapore uh, happens to have a lovely weather. So we rain and we have enough of sunshine. That means uh, trees grow a lot faster, grass grow a lot faster. So... Um, we, I mean, I, the first time I actually saw there's a lawn behind my house and the first time I saw nobody actually bothering to look after the grass for about four weeks, I was surprised. There were no pruning of the trees. So they even shut down those services. So wow. uh, it was literally basic cleaning of the roads and uh, whatever you need, really, really basic. Um, I know we've also reduced the public transport frequency. So of course, you are not expected to be out, so there's no need for public transport to run in its full capacity. Sure. Um, and yes, a lot of us in Singapore do rely on public transport because of its convenience and frequency. So that was reduced. Um, also with the fact the way they have managed people who are like the citizens who were coming back, uh, a lot of contact tracing. So even if I were to go to my groceries, I have to give them my ID card so they can scan to see I have visited. So if tomorrow something happens, they can link back to everybody who's visited at that time and face us back in case if there's been a case. So they've been very strict about a lot of stuff. And 
borders are still not going to be open that easily. Uh, the airports have only opened for trans or will open for transit from 2nd of June. So there are a lot of strict measures in place. Uh, families are not allowed to visit each other. Uh, it's only from 2nd January that they are allowing two members of your family to come and visit you. But if I were to go and visit a friend, I can't do that. And of course, you can't meet publicly because there are no social gatherings. There are, uh, and like I said, there are no food and beverage outlets which are open. The parks have very restricted monitoring. Um, I'm not sure you've seen or not, but they are using robots uh, to record and announcing, um, you know, just keep a distance. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to walk that close and continue to monitor those situations uh, very, very regularly. Now, did I hear you right? You said they are using robots? Yes, in the parks, yeah. I've also seen it in the news. I haven't gone to any park, but I've seen it in the news. There's a robot which is making announcements saying, you know what, please follow social distancing, don't walk close, or don't sit in close proximity mm. and um, things alike. Wow, so you there really you have been just <laughs> held up indoors, is that correct? Yes. Getting out and, and seeing the sun since, is... Yeah, since February, basically. Wow. <laughs> And, and is how are you able to exercise? I know you're you you um, you're a very health minded person. Um, what are what are the things that you do to be able to exercise and your your mind and your body and? Um. Honestly, current so yes, in terms of country, you are allowed to go out. Uh, you can exercise with mask unless you're running. So those specifications are there as well. What I do. I, I just listen to my, my body, uh, Stephen, because I, I feel there's a lot that's happening around me and I need to look after myself in every possible way. So if I wake up and I think I, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to read today, I'm just going to read today. And that's all I will do. Uh, and if I feel like, okay, you know what, I, I am ready or I'm in a mental space to do anything beyond that, I will do it. So yes, I've, I've, I've got days where... In, I would follow my normal routine of eating well, doing my yoga, even trying to get out for a walk. Uh, but I also have days where I don't do much, like really don't do much. I, I, I perhaps just binge watch some series on Netflix, but I just do what, what wouldn't fluster my mind any further. Uh, what I try and keep up every day, and some days it is struggle, is my meditation because that that really clears away my you know my headspace and it it calms me down it takes away the anxiety that is currently uh is in the air like everybody is anxious about something or the other if not job if something else um so yeah that's that's that is one thing i try and keep up with um try and eat right um, because I, I truly believe it's just your six packs are always made in your kitchen. So <laughs> you can do any amount of exercise, but if you're not eating right, nothing is going to work. So if, if I'm not physically moving enough, I'll make sure I still eat proper food uh, with all my fruits and veggies and all other things I need. So yeah, it's, it's really a balance from one day to the other. Today may look 
look like the most perfect day of doing everything to be doing in a day. And tomorrow I'm like, oh, I don't want to do anything. So you know, that's just such an interesting perspective. Cause you know, as I've, as we've talked to people and listened to people and how they're surviving, uh, going through this pandemic, you know, some people um, have said, well, the, my number one thing is to not change my schedule as much as possible. You know, that no matter what, I wake up and I do the same things. I think for some people, there's this feeling like if I deviate from my schedule, you know, I'll create bad habits and I'll never be able to go back. And it's really interesting to hear. And I really like this perspective that you're bringing up is just listen. You know, we I think we talk to our body a lot more than we listen to our body. I know I do <laughs> like you need to do this. You need to do this other thing. And my body doesn't listen, especially, you know, you say you go to the kitchen and, and uh, you eat your vegetables and you eat all of the healthy things. And I go to the kitchen and, and I, well, my six pack is buried right now. I, I don't, I don't need to give much more detail than that, but it's, it's at least it's six, not on ice. Yeah. It's at least six inches deep right now. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so I, I, I love that idea, that concept of that, you know, we, we should listen to what we need and, you know, maybe we wake up in the morning, especially some of us that, uh, we, we don't have the same structure that, uh, I, I'm curious, you know, um, and maybe even Leonard, what's your thought on this? I mean, about listening to your body. Yeah, no, I, I think like you, Steve, I'm, I'm intrigued with what you've shared with Arpita. I know, um, not to repeat what Steve said, but yeah, so oftentimes we've been given the drill of just, uh, and, and I'm following as far as I, I actually still set my alarm to get up to make sure that I'm not sleeping into eight o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever, you know, I set my alarm and whatnot. But what I do like about what you're talking about is sounds to me as though you're really embracing the situation, not embracing it as in, gee, I love this and giving it a hug, but you're mindful of the situation and acknowledging in yourself and tell me if I'm wrong, but you're acknowledging that, you know, these are things that you cannot change right now. And it really is an acceptance of the situation for what it is. And then it's a matter of maintaining mental health and physical wellness in whichever way that you need to based on the situation. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I'll add one more thing there. I look at it mm-hmm. as I am just okay with my vulnerability because mm-hmm. it is it is a very sensitive time and I am here pretty much all by myself. Like I said, you know, socially, I can't go and meet anybody, right? Um, and everybody around us is facing some or other sort of challenges. So it, it is a very delicate situation for me. Now I can fight. I can have a schedule from the moment I wake up till the time I go to bed and I struggle every day and put myself under a pressure. And I say, you know what? Okay, this is what it is. Uh, it is a delicate time you are vulnerable to all the uncertain situations around you because you have no control around it. So let's let's embrace it, like you said, and see how we want to go and where we want to move from here. Uh, not easy, but at least I know this is where I am. So my reality is 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 more real and it's not some some imaginary you know, like a fairy princess world land that I'm leaving. 
<laughs> and I imagine... Although I could probably see you in that princess dress, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> you are eating healthy. Uh, <laughs> You're not like Leonard and I. We, yeah. we would not be able yeah. to do the fairy princess dress very well. <laughs> it's getting well, graphic, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if, um, in some ways, you know, as you just as you bring this up, talking about um, not seeing things in rose-colored glasses, you know, not seeing things as because I, I feel like in some ways maybe we we create more emotional pain for ourselves by by saying we need to be happy about mm. everything. We need to see. The good side, and I'm not saying that that's a that's a wrong perspective because mm-hmm. um, certainly certainly we want to find the good in mm-hmm. in where things are at. But I, I, I your embrace of th- this is the reality, and the reality maybe maybe is really scary, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. that that's hard to deal with. But maybe more easy to deal with than having in our minds something that isn't quite true and that we know isn't quite mm-hmm. true. Yeah. And I expect right now, one of the most difficult things that you're, you're dealing with is um, I, I know that uh, you were hoping to see your fiance and it sounds like that didn't happen, that you were Mm-mm. not able. Yeah. And, and how are you dealing with that? What, what happened there? Um, again, I could force that I mean he was supposed to be here exactly like a week ago oh no another 10 days he was supposed I mean he was supposed to be here in the next 10 days um I could I could see that coming right because Singapore had closed the borders uh and there's no way they would let a foreign national come in and also coming from a country which is highly infected as we speak right they've got a huge number of cases so there's no way I would have been able to bring him in um so I I kind of knew that would happen. Uh, yes, but then when it actually did happen, when airline wrote to him saying, you know what, we're going to cancel your ticket because we can't fly in. Uh, so the day it happened, it was like, oh my God, the world came falling. Um, but again, it's the same thing. It is what it is. Can I do anything about it? No. Uh, and how do I deal with it? Do I even know when I'm seeing him? Can he travel after a month? Can I travel after a month? No, nothing. Uh, so then it's just about then supporting each other because it's not just me. We are talking in equation, right? It's about him because he also lives alone. And he, of course, is going through the similar situation that I'm going through, right? So you you want to be with or you, you, you in your brain, you're preparing yourself to see the person after so many days. You count the days, you mark it on calendar, and then suddenly, you know, you can't go. Um, so we just ended up talking a lot to each other. I mean, we do, but addressing the things that we might be feeling, and we didn't brush it off by saying that, oh, it's okay. Uh, or I, I didn't say, oh, yeah, I knew that was coming, but it was... It was more like, okay, this is happening. And somewhere we were angry with the situation, but there was, again, no control. So what do you do? You just, you accept it and you see what you can do in future. And then then, then you just move on from there. But there was no point of holding on to it. Uh, yeah. It was difficult, though, but it, was, it wasn't easy. It, 
it's really kind of interesting as I listen to you, Arpita. Um, I, I don't know how you're familiar you are with it, but in the United States, we have, um, and I assume it's more global than just the U.S., but the, we have what's called the serenity prayer, and uh, it's used by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and a lot of recovery groups and things like that. And one of the things, just a portion of this is kind of what I'm hearing you say in your own way is uh, as you embrace the things you cannot change, that's a part of that prayer. It says, God, grant me the sincerity, accept the things I cannot change mm. and the courage to change the things I can mm. and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's, it really, although you might not be quoting that, that's almost what I'm hearing you say uh, in tone of what you're doing. And I think that's, um, there's a real peace in the way that you're explaining your situation uh, because of the way you've handled your situation. Uh, I come from a family that in the United States, we'd use the term, we're wired a little bit tight, <laughs> like a spring, you know? And so it's not always easy to accept things that we are not in control of. And I don't know how much of that's just generational, how much of it's Americanism, uh, but it's really, it, it's, it's really great to hear you handle the situation the way you are and have such a piece about it. Are, any, any other methods or things that you're doing to kind of cope with this because again i know i would think loneliness would be a concern um with you being distant i know you've got co-workers there uh but any any other thoughts that you have of how you have coped and any any advice to our listeners of maybe that we could apply here for us as well i think one another thing that i would like to highlight here is um Apart from whatever I said, because that's kind of keeping me grounded, but just the fact that know that people around you want to help and it, mm. it is okay to lean on to them. And, you know, it's, so when, when you are in a frame of mind, when you know that, okay, you know what, you have a circle of people around you and they want to help, and then you are able to lean on, it just becomes a little easy and comforting at a point, even when they, they cannot be physically there with you. And a lot of that is something I'm trying to like literally spring on virtually with, with my support, like, you know, my family and some of my friends. And I'm like, and I'm saying that because there are days when, I am cranky, I'm angry for no reason, you know, absolutely no reason because I'm just frustrated, I'm alone, I'm stuck here. And 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 I, I, I do get a bit snappy when I'm talking to them. And then I quickly, <laughs> yeah, I just quickly shift my perspective saying, you know what, they are there because they want to help me. They are there because... They, you know, they, they are saying, I need, I need to lean on to them. I, I need to say, look, I need your help. Uh, let's talk about it or let's just do something together to, to make me feel a little better, right? So it could, and sometimes all it takes is a call, a video call to be able to see another person. Uh, sometimes I have my meals with people just to, just to know that, okay, you know what? I'm not there in it alone or uh, I'm doing different stuff and I'm still on a video call because, you know, I, all I need is uh, a, a presence of some some person to 
to just to just know that they are around and i i have people in my life who've done that for me i've i've got people who would just stay on phone uh, listening to me talking to me doing their own stuff uh, even though we've we've yeah. had we've done that on days after like literally like on days go on um and it's it it, it isn't easy when when you're constantly trying to struggle and say you know what look i'm in a situation you don't understand because i've i've had days like that as well saying you know what you're not here you you don't get what i'm going through um i'm stuck inside i have this i don't have this or you know that there's there's list of things i could complain about but the moment you shift your perspective to say you know what people around you they they want to help in whatever way they can they can't travel they can't give me a hug maybe that's the thing i need um but are they are they coming from a place where they're saying you know what we don't want to help but no that's not the case right they're coming from a place where they want to help and it's it's just it's just a perspective to the whole situation towards uh people that we are leaning on to saying yeah i know you want to help you want to be there for me that that has helped a lot and i haven't had actually a time to think about all of this until this situation happened i never looked back um because never had to be confined in my house all by myself for so many so many months uh in in like one shot like the way i've been now so i never had to reflect on yeah. that situation i never had to be mindful of my own behavior as to how am i responding to different people even though they are there and i'm i'm snappy and then they come back and then uh they're still there so it's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Awesome. And I think in a lot of ways, and, and, and it's just been really interesting hearing you discuss that aspect and just a reminder that people do want to help. And, and, and in some ways, what a favor we can do for people when we allow them to help. Because mm-hmm. that feeling of helplessness, that feeling of I can't do anything, but then when we allow people to um, help us out, when we share our emotions, and I know I am probably the very worst at that. I am, I am not good, even in my own personal, (laughs) very close connections and ever just like sharing anything that, that isn't positive. You know, I feel like I Mm -hmm. need to, for the most part, always try and, and it doesn't mean that I'm not feeling things that aren't positive. It's just, I don't, I I have a very difficult time sharing those other things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting because actually uh, yesterday I um, was um, talking with, um, my wife and, and <laughs> kind of out of nowhere, I just kind of broke down and said all the things that I've felt negative about. And mm. it was very therapeutic. <laughs> it felt very nice to get it, um, off, off my chest. Um, and in a sense, you know, as soon as I was done saying that I was kind of apologizing and saying, you know, <laughs> sorry mm. for being such a negative. She's, she's like, no, this is, it's rare that, that, mm-hmm that I get the opportunity to see what's going on in your mind. And yeah. I think I think you bring up such a good point that letting people help us, especially when we're lonely, especially because they want to, these people care about you, mm-hmm. you know, letting them, them help like this is also a way of helping um, mm-hmm. and making them feel like, because as human beings, we want to feel like we have meaning. We want to feel like it makes a difference that we're mm-hmm. there and that we're around people. 
and uh, somebody who says, hey, I just need to talk to you about something or I just I just want to have a live person on the other end of the phone. I, I found that really interesting. You're talking about just turning on a, a video chat and leaving it there, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that you yeah. have that that feeling that if you wanted to say something or you wanted to share something, you could. Yeah. Um, it is a very interesting way of, of taking our technology and finding mm-hmm. a way to share those moments. Like I remember when, um, actually when I was, when I was just before I got married, um, I was sitting there with Elizabeth that she's my wife and we were not saying anything. And it dawned on me that it was really nice to be with someone that I didn't have to say anything with that, that we could just enjoy silence together and how unique that you're finding a way to bring that into relationships that are really distant, that you can't be with them, but you still find ways to enjoy silence together. Yeah. And that's such a powerful thing, uh, Steve there, because a lot of our relationship, the moment there is a dead air, you start to feel uncomfortable. And, you know, we start yes. to get a little fidgety saying, oh, what's going to be the next topic? What am I going to say? What am I going to ask? So where the conversation is going to lead from. But I, I do believe that the strongest relationships really come from a place where you can sit together and still be okay with it, still be comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had heard said before, and I wished I knew the source, but I don't right off. But I know I'd heard that if you can have a conversation with somebody beyond seven minutes, hmm. then you've got a friend. Because it, especially in the United States and our culture, you know, we talk about the weather and then next we'll go to sports. And we talk about all of these shallow things that, I mean, they have meaning, but they're, they're not significant. And to especially be able to accept silence and set in silence, you, you've certainly got yourself a friend there. Yeah. So really good proof for that. Well, Arpita, we're coming towards the end of our time here. So uh, I, I so much appreciate you sharing your insights with us and, and being open with us and, and trusting us. You talked about trust early on <laughs> and trusting us uh, to share your story. Uh, so much appreciate that. Uh, Steve, any last thoughts before we wrap up our session today or t- our session? I feel like it's a therapeutic session. <laughs> it is our, our podcast. Today. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. That's it the is. secret for Leonard and I. Like, <laughs> you know, when we do a special session, it's because we've had a really hard week. You know, we need we need to throw another podcast out there. But it has been. I, I think for me, um, doing these podcasts have been just invaluable for my own mental health, you know, getting an opportunity to, uh, to talk and listen to stories, especially stories like yours, Arpita. It's not a matter that we need to look at people and say, well, they have it harder than me, so I need to be happy where I'm at. But in many ways, you know, seeing your strength and seeing how you're in a situation where loneliness is, is just a constant battle that that you have to have and your strength through that is really rather inspirational and um and i appreciate uh you taking the time to do that now leonard you said that you have a a friend if you can talk to him for more than seven minutes we've gone for 56 
So <laughs> I, I feel like this has got to be one of the best groups of friends out there because we've really, there we've really go. surpassed the bar. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, let's go ahead. We'll close things down then for our listeners. Uh, just a couple of things I do want to recap for our folks that are listening. Uh, so again, Arpita, thank you for joining Steve and I and sharing your insights. Some of the notes that I've taken here are, are number one, relationships begin on a foundation of trust. And so I, I know we're deep into this whole thing and some are beginning to return to work and different things are happening, but trust is foundational. Key point there. And Arpita, you made mention it's okay to be vulnerable. And so here in the United States, Brene Brown is well known, and I'm sure she's known around the world as well. She talks a lot about vulnerability, so we can learn from that. Love the idea of you talking about knowing that people want to help. And for the most part, people do. Strangers and friends are willing to help when we ask. Uh, and then lastly, shifting perspective is the last note that I have. And sometimes it is just a matter of reframing, refocusing, and looking at things slightly different. So some, some great insights there that I know I'm going to take with me uh, as we part. So with that, we'll go ahead and say goodbye to our listeners. Just a reminder, of course, furloughedmailbox at gmail.com is available if you want to reach out to us for any reason. And again, don't forget our sponsor is Upwards Unlimited. That's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. And in summary, I had somebody ask me, well, what, what is it they really do? Well, it's a company that helps people that work with people. And so just want to encourage you to check out unlimited, upwardsunlimited.com and uh, say hello to them on our behalf. And with that, we'll say goodbye until our next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure and rate us wherever you're listening to us, whether it's iTunes or anywhere else. Give us your comments, feedback, shoot us an email. Love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah.